Also, I'm a little worried now that y'all are in a, at the end of the gauntlet for the day. Because, <laughs> so, uh, me and Clark are a part of like a, a larger team of dorks who watch too much horror movies and talk about films in a very serious tone, even when they're not taken that seriously by the filmmakers. And the one thing everybody's been telling me when they found out we were going to sit down with you was not to ask the question that everybody's going to ask, which is why remake last shift. But I, I told them like, we have to, we have to start there. Sure. But yeah, again, we have to. But, and that, and that is exactly where we, we rest on our confident laurels where we'll be able to pull you out of the hack territory and we'll be in fun right. territory. Yeah. Wait, wait, who told you not to ask that question? So um, we have one of our buddies, uh, Terrell Trotty. He does our YouTube stuff. He posted about it on his Instagram, and I believe you commented on it. And he put, oh, Malum, it's a remake of Last Shift. And all of the comments under there were people going, why did they remake that? That movie's great. And then I believe oh you, you jumped in there and you're like, well, I like what we did here. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this guy sounds legit. Like, and that's why you're on the show. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, we got to honestly, Terrell then uh, yelled at me because I hadn't watched last shift. It was a movie that kind of got talked about a lot and I just kind of missed the conversation. So I never, I never saw it, but I did go back when Malum was coming out and I'm curious how many new fans you have for last shift now that you have a, this kind of Michael Haneke um, funny games. I know. Like remake going on. Quite a few. Quite. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely getting a resurgence. Um, it, it popped up in the, like the top, top five in iTunes for a few weeks there. Cause yeah. it's just the news of it. Um, so yeah. And I, I, I'm good either way. I mean, people can go in blind to Malum. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm sure many, many people will have no idea what last shift is when they see Malum. And I think that's fine too. But the the hardcore fans are always, you know, the horror fans are always going to either go back and watch or, you know, the more the mainstream, I think they don't, they don't give a damn. (laughs) I, um, I have to say I did, I watched it and I instantly felt like most people where I'm like, dude, this movie's fucking good. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I mean, we've dealt with so many curious, like, just interesting filmmakers that I'm like, I, there's got to be a great reason why you're revisiting it. And usually, I mean, most of the people we talk to, a budget is enough. Like, oh, more yeah. money. Yeah. But man, your movie, Last Shift, really did work. So I am curious. And, you know, I mentioned Michael Haneke is kind of like a joke because, I mean, yeah. Funny Games is such a brutal takedown of kind of like horror genre. And yours is fully embracing it. But there is a similar concept where a writer director revisits the material, except he pretty much went shot for shot. Where here you kind of pick and choose. And I'd love to get into that nuance. I mean, I love funny games. I mean, the original funny games is one of my favorite films. Um, And I think the remake for anyone who hadn't seen the original would be like, this is a really good movie too. I, I think, you know, Naomi Watts is great in that. But to me, the original of that film is always going to be because it is like the same movie. It was really, you know, the Scott and I, when we did Last Shift, it was kind of a, a, a science experiment in a lot of ways because we had done a couple movies together at, at much bigger budgets. And, uh, you know, we kind of wanted a freedom. And I was like, hey, let's make this. Let's make a movie. And I threw out. I, I was like, let's make a movie for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and shoot it in 10 days because I had produced a lot. And I was like. But that was a pretty 
off the cuff number. And he was like, okay, fine, let's do that. And that's exactly what we did. We never, we made it for exactly $150,000 and we shot it in 10 days. And that was the smallest budget I had ever worked with. And we really wanted to see what we could do. And we really designed it. I really wanted to make a movie about sound uh, where the sound was just a huge component of the movie. And it kind of morphed into this, into last shift. And we got the location before we kind of jumped into the script. So we found the location first and then, and then really catered it around that, around that location. And we talked about maybe doing a, a sequel or a prequel at times, but we just never kind of dug in and did it. And I, I thought last shift, I was really confident about last shift with playing with an audience and, and, and I thought it was delivered on scares. Um, but you know, Magnolia put it out there and it was a good release at the time. But like you said, it's, there were plenty of people that just did not see it. You know, even now there was plenty of people that are like, Oh, I, I never heard of the movie, but usually people that did enjoyed it. So when Luke LeBeau came to me, we were introduced from a, a mutual friend and, he was like, hey, we're starting this company called Welcome Villain. And what do you think about revisiting the last shift world again? And we were like, yeah, sure, let's talk about it. And we kind of landed on the reimagining so that we could tell a bigger story with a bigger budget. And if we want to carry on, we can carry on from this kind of point now. Because there were lots of things we couldn't do on that movie because of the size. Um, but, you know, the the budget really made us kind of really hone what it needed to be and and tell a very specific story with this one it was more traditional filmmaking in a way i wanted to be able to i didn't want to relent you know i didn't want to compromise even when we should have compromised i was like no nah, i don't want to compromise on this movie we're just going to like stick with our guns and make the script so that was yeah. it, really. It was. It was all the money. It was about more money. More money. Just bigger and better. Bigger. Reimagined. But hey even guys, if it's not. Hey, guys, when is it not about the money? It's all about the it's money, always. man. But, but for me, it's like, I, I'm never, I, I wanted to give a movie that was different. I didn't want to do like some shot for shot thing. You know, I was just, yeah. it was about expanding those things we didn't get to. So is that what you would classify it as uh, a reimagining and not a, you know, a, a, a requel, sequel, whatever, all this other imaginary stuff we make up every other year? Yeah, that was our official branding that I think that Welcome Villain was like, we're going with reimagining. That's okay. Because we didn't want to say reboot. We didn't want to say remake. Yeah. Because it really wasn't either of those things. It, it kind of was just let's reimagine the story, tell it the way we wanted to tell it dive deeper to, into the characters and the mythology. What's great about Malum is that Last Shift fans are going to go in and see it and they're going to go, this feels familiar, but it's different. And they're going to enjoy it. And then those who've never seen Last Shift are going to go, wow, this movie's really scary. Um, so it really will have something for everybody. But um, it's definitely, definitely a reimagining, not to put any spoilers. Hey, they saw it. You, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe he didn't like me. You know, he have saw you guys it. seen it yet? You can't tell him what he's going to think. Right? You guys saw it, right? Oh, we saw it. We do yeah, our homework here. No. Okay. Well, they saw it. They know. And then they, and Russell went back and watched Last Shift. So he's going to be the, the harshest judge. He's double right. I'm, I'm telling you, man, of, of the group here, Randy, the quiet one, he basically only watches Criterion films. And then me and Clark, Clark will, he kind of veers more Alamo. 
a little bit more uh, high. Bu- <laughs> Again, your descriptions. I have no idea. He gets so. Mad. I drift towards San Antonio. There's yeah, there a, you what's go. That even mean? <laughs> no, I um, I really liked Last Shift, and when I watched it, uh, my first remark was that it's full of pretty people. And Terrell was started getting like, because we all watched it together. We have like a little makeshift theater in our front room. Yeah. Also, me and Clark live together. We're in the same room right now. It's a whole comedy yeah, show. I love doing. when we share that information. <laughs> it's really fun. Do you want our address? <laughs> um, so We'll do that too. But me and Clark didn't watch these movies together. So I don't actually know what he thinks about Malum. Last shift, though, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was actually scary, which is a word that I try to get people not to describe horror with. Because I think, you know, what scares you is very personal. Yeah. And a lot of the time you'll tell somebody like, this is the scariest shit you've ever seen. And then they watch it and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, also yeah. now people might watch it on their phone or like, there's so many different ways to interact with the movie. But I mm-hmm. think last shift, it just, it works now because you made Malum and I'll, I'll uh, spoiler alert. I think Malum, uh, after I watched it, I went, oh, I know why you rewrote it. That's the whole thing. You reshot it because the script. I had my pet peeve with last shift was I didn't like the cult. And the only thing was it felt like it could have been a ghost. It could have been anything, but it was a cult. And I'm like, ah, that almost feels like hat on a hat. Because I really thought the story was about Jessica, who's a pretty, um, she's a very pretty girl who nobody believes can be an effective police officer. Yeah. And, you know, you highlight that by when the situation gets tough. She doesn't turn to God. She turns to her legal oath. And yeah. I was just like, man, this movie, it's fucking good. And I mean, when I opened up saying everybody's fucking pretty in here, it kind of has that like low level, like kind of hot, very L.A. feeling um, yeah. horror film. Like Terrell lashed out at me and he was like, oh, shut the fuck up. You know, what you're talking. And I'm like, no, I don't mean this bad. Yeah. And also you played into it. Because I was I was judging our character immediately off the bat based on how she looked too. Sure, so I yeah. thought the movie I thought the movie was fantastic, and I couldn't believe you actually delivered on the cover with the special effects. Cool. Which honestly might have hurt the film more than anything. Because as a you know weathered horror fan, when you have a a very good cover, yeah. sometimes you're like, oh bullshit, you don't have anything in this movie. That's why you've got an artist. I, I know that cover, you know, that cover got a lot of, um, I really liked that cover, the, the face cover. And then, the the Magnolia released a, a different one with that girl climbing on the wall. But it's funny how people are really kind of divided on that, that cover. Cause some people are like, Oh, this looks horrible. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? It looks horrible. It looks cool. It's like, I don't know. I always really liked the cover the, was the memorable. I think the cover is fantastic because when Russell told me about the movie, okay. I uh, that's how I recognized the film is from the cover. And I said, yeah. "Did the cover have some sort of pentagram?" And he said, "Yep." I said, yep. I "Know what you're <laughs> talking about?" But, and no, I haven't seen it. Now, when the special effects show up in the movie, it was almost yeah. like a high five moment because, yeah. the, like, the problem that I'm trying to articulate is normally people can't deliver on that good cover. Yeah, yet yeah. you do. In spades, it's it's a really good payoff. Good, good. But now, um, leading into Malum, which is available now, and it's in theaters. I believe if you're out here in the Bay Area, you're kind of screwed. It's only in Pittsburgh, which is like up east. You got to go. Yes, east there is Bay. a Pittsburgh, yeah. California. Yeah, and exactly that's where it's playing. But playing in man, California. All right, all right. So in last shift, um, we open up with our lead. Our protagonist is alone in her police car outside of the station. 
And that's really all of like the mise-en-scene of the world we get. We just, and it feels very small town, like kind of not high stakes. Or in Malum, we get to tour through the city and you really get a feel for the exterior of the police station. Also, um, I just closed out a found footage film fest. We do um, the Unnamed Footage Festival, which is all in-world camera, everything from like mockumentary to like anything where the, the characters have made their own film. And mm-hmm. when you open up Malum with that footage, I got yeah. so excited for a brief moment. I'm like, holy shit, is this going to be a found footage movie? And you tease the fuck out of me there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Luke LeBeau loves found footage movies. It's like his favorite thing. So if we do another one, it will probably be a found footage movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the found footage stuff, I mean, and to me, that was like, I want to kind of what we couldn't deliver in the first movie was expand on that, you know, and, and get out there on the farm. So I, I do have this question for you, Natalie. Um, you're you're one of the few connecting tissue uh, sort of between um, Last Chef and Malum. So uh, that that's an interesting position. So what 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 is sort of um, your your viewpoint on how this whole journey has, has happened? Um, well, my character is kind of a, a dimension walker, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good start. Marigold of the multiverse. <laughs> Yes. Um, no, it's really cool getting to play, you know, the same role, but different reimagine. Right. Um, because the two are extremely different from last shift to Malum. Um, and it was a really challenging, um, opportunity that I got was to reimagine this because it's, you know, usually when I do a part, it's, I do it, everything, put everything on the table and then I'm, I'm out. Right. And it's like, I gave it everything that I had and I'm like, okay, well, what more can I do with this character? And so that was really the challenge is, you know, taking a look at how to reimagine that so that it's familiar, but very different for last shift fans that were going to be watching it. And so how can we kind of up that ante? And so, you know, Marigold in the first film is, you know, very vulnerable, you know, but still kind of has a relatability um, about her and a humanity quality. Um, But she seems to be running from something. Um, In this new movie, Malum, you know, the danger is really turned all the way up on the dial. You're really not sure what's going on with her. Is she good? Is she bad? Um, She's very manic, you know, not to give, you know, any, um, anything away, you know, no spoilers. But it's definitely takes you on a much more wilder ride um, than the first film. And, you know, my goal as an an actor was to completely disappear into the role, you know, physically, emotionally, performance wise, um, just so that when audiences are watching it, it never in their mind would they think that it's the same actor playing that role unless they looked it up afterwards. I wanted to completely disappear into that so that it was part of a completely new thing. Um, and well, mission accomplished because I had no idea. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Great. Wait, you didn't see the first one. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm sorry. I I realized now that that could have been confusing. I, that was just a part of the bit on, uh, (laughs) I have seen both films. hundred percent. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's always like, you know, at first, the first step, you know, 
I'm on set on Malum. It's like, oh, is this going to be, you know, deja vu? Are we making the same film? Yeah. I have to say it, that, that feeling was like one second and then whoop, gone. <laughs> it was a whole different film. It felt like shooting a completely different film. It was bigger, the, you know, just the location, the crew, um, the story. Um, it was just, yeah. And, and of course, you know, like for my role, it, I always think, you know, if you're going to try to redo something again, bigger and better and any role, you know, it's 50% writing, 50% performance. And mm -hmm. Anthony just wrote an amazing new Marigold. <laughs> so A different scene for sure. She was tons of fun to do. So, yeah. You were so good in the new one. Thank I, you. you know, in the original one, it's not that you're bad. You just, you didn't look like you lived a hard life. Like you had a little, <laughs> you had a little bit of a black eye, but I'm like, uh, this doesn't look like a, um, you know, a, a street walker. She looks like an escort. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> not a lot lizard. Yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you, you looked like you wouldn't, you know, it didn't look like you came from a broken home. It looked like you made a, a choice to drop out of college. It's like, Hey, you saw <laughs> one of the parents on the weekends, right? Yeah, but, but in the new one, I'm like, Oh, this shit's, this is dark. You know what I mean? Like we really felt it. So congratulations. Thank I, um, you. thank you. Yeah, no, it, what, what a goddamn transformation. It's so good. I don't know why I have to curse, but go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice clean show up to that. Point. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to start over. So, okay. Now what, what is uh, your all relationship? Us? We're married. We're married. We weren't now, married in the first film. We, we, you know, pretty much met, at that time, I was cast in the film, and um, no, no, hold on, let's not. We didn't meet on that movie. We didn't meet I, on that movie. We met before that, but we, I, but we, yeah, I we wrote that married. role for her in the first film too. It was <laughs> yes, that's true, and that, that's why she married me. No, that's not no, true. <laughs> <laughs> we are married now, um, and we're actually writing partners too. Yeah, we're so, writing partners now. Um, both in horror and other genres as well. So, so, so let me ask, let me ask you this. How do you not kill each other? How's that work out? Um, I don't know. It's pretty good. It hasn't been too bad. We don't fight that much about it. We really See, don't. She's, because she's an actor, she gets really caught up on the dialogue. Yep. And character. Yeah, sure. Of course. And, mm -hmm. and I really care about the plot and yep. the structure. Well, so there we you go. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. A, it's it a seems good, all right. Yeah. We don't Yin really and yang. We disagree for sure on, on creative stuff, you know, sometimes the stakes. Um, but I mean, we're really good at pushing each other, yeah. I have to say, to be better for sure. So, but so from a screenwriting perspective, how difficult or uh, not that difficult was it, um, you know, transforming kind of last shift into Malum? or vice versa, however you want to make that comparison. Because, there, you know, there is, like we talked about, that connective tissue. So as a writer, you know, making a new one, what, what sort of the temptations there that you, or any pratfalls that you may fall into? Well, so Scott and I wrote, Scott, who was the producer on Last Shift, he's a producer on Malum too. We wrote the first one together and we wrote this one together. Yep. Um, Scott has since uh, passed away, unfortunately. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He passed away in September. Um, so the film's oh, dedicated to him. You'll see that. Um, he, he had some health issues, so it wasn't, it wasn't sudden, but, um, but so, you know, I mean, I think the big thing for us, and, and it's like what you said, Russell, like 
the characters are, it, it really came down to the script, you know, and like when we, we never felt like we were writing the same movie again. When, when we were kind of, when, when we knew we had to do it, we, we did like a six page treatment, which was basically like the first film happened and then blah, it was like nothing. Right. But we sent it to the welcome villain team because they were, we wanted them to be really involved in the sense that because we were, tr- I was trying to gauge, well, what do they really like about the first movie? You know, what is it that makes them want to do this, do another movie with us? What do they really like about it? Uh, what do they want to keep? What do we want to keep? And so it was a very process with them. I was like, here, just look at these pages. And then we did kind of a, and they're like, oh yeah, that seems like it's going in the right direction. Or, and um, oh yeah, I like that scene you're keeping. Or like, what about that other thing? So it was kind of this back and forth until Scott and I really figured out what we wanted to do with the characters and say, okay. And because Jessica Lauren, you know, Jesse Sula in this movie, she has such a different motivation than the first film that yeah. almost on page one, it just feels like a different movie. And, and for us, while we were writing it, everything's through her lens. So I don't know. It never felt like we were kind of making the same film. Yeah. And the things we did choose to keep, it was mainly just stuff that, that we liked, you know, stuff that I felt really worked in the first movie that I was like, you know, I got, I got to bring that in because if someone hasn't seen last shift, I feel like they should experience it in, in Malum. Uh, or sometimes just little character things uh, like the whole opening with um, with Grip Cohen, you know, who's the same different actor, but same character in both movies. It's just I really liked the entrance in, into that first film. So we wanted to kind of duplicate that. You know, it's funny because that opening is such an, a good way to gauge how different these films are in mm-hmm. last last shift. It's almost that, um, you know, she walks in and sees a superior in a moment that's like a little bit compromised. And as an audience, you're like, just leave. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, this is, this is a bad omen. Like, turn yeah. around and leave. Where in the other one, Jessica actually has some agency. Mm-hmm. And you're like, when she shows up, you, you know, leaving isn't on the table. Yeah. And you're like, she's here for a reason. And I think that was one of the major improvements. And it's yep. funny that you, you, you say you kept the things you like. Because everything you kept, I felt like you improved on. Well, like, good. I mean, good. Yeah. I think it was like we had to do it a little bit different. I didn't want to do anything exactly the same. It was just like, here's this scene, but a little bit different, right? Because so people that did see the first one can still feel like, oh, we're getting something more tightened. It's been honed. It's been brought into this new world. And hopefully it works better. See, you're even humble there because there's a particular moment where um, our protagonist has been alone in what feels like a mixed between purgatory and hell Mm -hmm. and then somebody shows up and you're like okay now as like a weathered horror fan you're like you're already kind of like i don't know about this and you know in malum you got me with it like i it it, like um it played for a scare where do you know what i'm talking i'm trying to tiptoe around it i I mean honestly if you're listening to this you should have seen it by now but in malum somebody shows up there are you talking about the office. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. In last shift, it feels like you see it coming from a mile away, but you don't care because yeah, you're like. Yeah. But in this one, I was like, "Oh, I guess this is uh, one of the differences." And then, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I verbalized in that <laughs> Good. reveal. I, that's probably the hardest one in the movie because I was like, 
I was like, most people, if, if you've seen the first one, I think they're going to, oh, okay, this is that, this is that point in the movie where we're getting this police officer. And, and I've heard a few times that, that it, it got him. And I, I have to give that to, um, uh, Sam Brooks and, uh, CMS, Christopher Matthew Spencer, you know, what, when, when I cast them, you know, Sam, they both had these totally different auditions on different parts, but they became like this Laurel and Hardy. And I was like, well, here's here's comedy. You know, there's a great sense of comedy. They had, they had such great chemistry and really played on that. They have natural instincts Mm -hmm. and, and and they do on and off screen when you get them together. It's just magic. Just like Russell and myself. (laughs) Continue. Laurel and Hardy. And, um, you know, one uh, just behind the curtain, behind the directing curtain with with everyone who came because his name's Price in both movies, Officer Price. Everyone who came in to audition for that movie, you had lots of great actors coming to audition. But in that audition process, I always like to give them a direction that is like the opposite of what they prepare. You know, if, if however they prepare the character, I'm going to give them a note that's the opposite. So most people coming in to read Price, he's kind of like the guy in the first movie. He's very affable. He's kind of flirting with her. He's, you know, that's how everyone prepares it. They're like, oh, who's this nice guy, right? And he's he's like that in the beginning of the movie. He's like, who's this nice guy? Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, Sam, you know, bad version of the no, but I, I want you to do it as if you're like you're there to fuck with her. Oh, sorry, now I really I curse. Oh I, man, you <laughs> just doubled down on the filth. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> <God damn. laughs> You know, so essentially I'm like, you know, I want you to scare her. Um, and he just turned the whole performance with that, like that, you know, he, his delivery, every nuance, the delivery was followed that direction. And I just thought it was spot on. And, and, uh, and while we were on set, I did both versions. You know, I had him do it several ways and a lot of that darkness came in, which will allow them to, to ad lib a lot, you know, cause he was just harassing his other officer. Most of that's not in the script. It's just, he was now this kind of, well, this is how I'm playing the part. So I'm just going to be, I'm going to be an asshole to my, my, <laughs> my officer, you know, my, my colleague. And, and then, and then CMS was able to play on that. I think it, there's a lot of good comedy there. Yeah. Man, what, it really changes a lot too, because yeah. you don't know what the motivation is. You're like, I know you're otherworldly now, but you led me to a gun. And it's like, but what's the intent? And in the original one, when you had the kind of like the cult uh, mania going on, it all kind of, it felt pretty clear to me. Like, oh, this is, we're doing a descent into darkness here where on the last shift, maybe this girl's gone crazy and she's, you know, something bad's going to happen. But in this one, it really felt like, um, you know, we have a character trying to reclaim her past and is confronting a lingering evil. Mm. I don't know. I, it's strange that you took the skeleton of a script and then it's almost like it grew a completely different creature out of it. Mm, like yeah. by the, like, I don't know. It didn't feel, I don't even the tone felt a little different when you were revisiting it. Were there parts where you're like, we have to speed this thing up or slow it down? Like was pacing ever on the table? I mean, I think pacing was something I mean, I even told Natalie when we were writing, I think we want you know, the, the setup is always going to be like, okay, here's, here's the creepy stuff. I think the setup is 
most like the first film. It has it creates mm-hmm. a certain vibe. Even even those you're getting you're getting much more at the beginning of the movie. I think the first act has this kind of underlying dread. But from that point on, we really wanted a movie that just moved. It just boom, 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 boom. And almost like people don't even have time to think about it, uh, you know, to dissect it too much, to just constantly throw stuff at it. And it's then, like you're on a ride. You're on a ride. You're on a ride. Like if you like at a theme park or like a haunted house. And it's like the only way that you're going to finish this is to just keep going through it. And it just, and, and the stuff just keeps happening and you have no choice but to just keep going yeah, forward through like it. Just can't stop either. Yeah. It's like, and, and, and we wanted to make sure that it built to a crescendo, right? That it was constantly escalating and getting crazier and crazier very deliberately to the end. So that was definitely a big part of it. Now did with the new budget, did most of it go towards head explosions? Because <laughs> cause bravo. If that's true. Hey, also, you know what's funny about that is right when we showed up today, I got the new Fangoria delivered to me where they have a, a oh, feature in I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I haven't oh even my gosh. It. show show it to me. So on the back we have the oh, nice Malum. Oh, um, looks good. On the cover they have a little feature, the unholy effects of Malum. So okay. nice. Yeah, it's congratulations awesome. there. It's a pretty big article too. I think it's like five or six pages. Um, yeah. So all right, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I have I have not seen the the spread yet. Um, but yeah, the effects. I mean, a, a big chunk of the uh, well, let's say. A big percentage of the budget, you know, I allocated to effects. And I think like going into a movie, because I produced originally, I always like to be involved with the budget as much as possible, especially because it's like, well, if we're going to make a good movie, I, I need to like know where every dollar's going. Yeah. And you have to sacrifice. Um, you know, you usually have to, you know, you, ha- you can't throw money at every department you have to be like mm-hmm. okay, what are my what are my go-to's like is it going to go to casting is it going to camera is it going to go to effects you know or is it going to go to production design it can't go to everybody so like effects was definitely one of the top contenders for this film where i knew we had to deliver we had a lot of effects to do um you know and that we wanted to accomplish you know we left some some behind we had even more effects that we left behind but you know i think that's fine i think we we paced it out and, and gave ourselves just now see now see Anthony right there. You just you just sold yourself out. You <laughs> sold yourself out. No, 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 no. As a horror director. And I mean this as the highest compliment I can possibly give you. Because you said the money had to go somewhere. We put it in effects. And so as a as <laughs> horror fans, I delight I am delighted that you say that. Because so many times, man, you know, I talk about all the time. People, you know, cutting corners. You got to cut corners somewhere. And when you cut corners on effects, boy, does it stink. It now, really yeah, shows. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let me jump in there, yeah. too. Because there's another thing that uh, there's been a change in the culture, too. And I think. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news. Hit the button. Um, breaking news. So, so back in the day, <laughs> and I, now I'm going to say some things that might sound mean to people not on this show right now. But as a horror fan, you know, and we're looking for gore, you would kind of start to steer away from the full moon or from uh, trauma, mm-hmm. even though trauma would do a little bit of it. Yeah. And you would start to learn where we would find like good special effects. 
And I feel like some of the mm-hmm. um, uninterested in art, uh, very money forward people started to hone in on this. And we've had a kind of, there's nothing in this movie, but special effects effect. And as a horror fan, I've actually had gore fatigue, which is a weird thing, but it's, it's real now. Al Gore fatigue. Yeah. Al Gore fatigue. Uh, And so it kind of becomes tricky because if you don't have a moment that has a crescendo with the head explosion and you just have a head explosion, people may forget about it now. And I, I, I really think it's a testament, you know, that Clark is talking about it and it's in Fangoria because you really do provide the proper platform for I the gore. Be, let's be very clear, okay? A head explosion is not just a head. You have head explosions. But you can have good head explosions oh, yeah. and bad head explosions. You can have... This was an excellent head explosion. Yeah, you can have bad and then you can have scanners. There, there's yeah, a whole exactly. ratio. Sure. But you're, you're right. It's easy to... I mean, that was a huge... It's like, how do you make a horror movie and like give people things they either haven't seen or think they haven't seen or feel like they haven't seen. And I think it all, I, I think for us, we were mainly concentrated on, well, does it, is it about moving the story forward? You know, is it, is it connected to the characters in the story and does it make sense and and do something? Um, and, and then hopefully then it affects people in a way they either don't see it coming or it, does a scare land because of that and, and things like that. I hope that that was our main reason to do the effects it's like okay here here they go and definitely to up the stakes from like scene yeah, to scene, scene to scene. scene and just like that keeping that ride feeling going for the audience that was a big part of it and hopefully oh, people sure. don't see that at the beginning of the movie that like that head thing if it's you know, <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie pause them. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because you talk about like we mentioned briefly uh, pacing and how you wanted to move this one forward. And I can't help but just think about the haunted house trope and how in the first one, um, I think the cult didn't work for me because it really did feel like a haunted house movie. We have an external person coming into an old location. She doesn't know the history and the movie's kind of her exploring it. And I think one of the best um, moments to juxtapose is the locker because she shows up at the locker in, in last shift. And she finds a photo. And as the audience, we're kind of like piecing it together. We're playing like PI here. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe this is a picture of somebody she knew and she's the little kid or like maybe it's an officer that helped her. But in the new one, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of shit that character gets into because, you know, she's there and she has agency. And you, you know, uh, no, the best example, fuck the locker, because in the locker in Malum, she breaks into it. So, you know, yep. she's decided I'm going to break this boundary. Yes. The best change or my favorite where me and uh, Terrell were cheering was the way that she reacted on the phone. How many times in a horror movie do you get creepy phone calls and people are just kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And which is what kind of in last shift, she's very by the book. And yeah. she's, yeah. you know, she reports like, hey, I'm getting phone calls. I know they're supposed to be redirected. But in Malum, she's fucking hanging up on the person. And as an audience member, hey, thank you. Because we were cheering, literally. We're just like, this is like, we just came out of Scream. Yeah. And we're like, my God, like, how many times do you want them to react that way? Like, when you make a change like that, are you ever worried that, like, the, like, later on in the script, it won't work? Or, like, the whole time when you have this new character, 
Are you just like, I don't know. How do you, how do you change the script in round two? I'm super curious in your process. I guess, it, I mean, you know, I think it really was the agency that if, if she, if that character has agency, she has a goal, like the, the, the fact that she just, she becomes a police officer, officer really just to figure this out. Cause that was always yeah. the thing, right? She yeah. asked a question at the beginning of the movie, what happened to my father, right? That's the question. And we know we wanted to answer that question at the end of the movie. She's going to, you know, it's a hero's journey, you know, either way, because she she gets exactly what she wants. She 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 gets her her answer. And and um, so I think everything else becomes unimportant at that point. Like what you know, she'll have her moments where she's like, I don't think I can do this. But she's so. Scott, and I always said this, the more she the more fucked up shit that happens to her, the more convinced she is that she's right. It, it it feeds that ego. Yeah. Like I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And it's going to carry all the way to the end. So yeah, like the phone call stuff is like, dude, I don't got time for this. Like what? I don't got time for this. I got a mission. I got a mission. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Okay. Her father. And then she takes note and then mm-hmm. she's like, Oh wait, hold on. Now y'all met and uh, had a relationship kind of grow after last shift. So is there a draft out there where maybe Natalie got a shot at being uh, the protagonist in this film? No, honestly, no. No. <laughs> no. Why uh, not? I, 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 I mean. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. I think. I, that was never a thought. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I think it was always like, hey, we're, you're going to play Marigold again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That was a, that was a. Maybe in the future, something totally new, you know, yeah. the protagonist, but never for this movie. I think there's um, Jessica Lawrence, just a specific type of character. And, um, you know, I just don't think I fit that. You know? But the possibilities are endless for Malum, <laughs> too. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. That's true. We could do. She won't be Marigold in Malum, too. She'll have to be something else. Oh, yeah. Something else. <laughs> Now, here's, here's, I want to put my word, my stamp on this. Um, in terms of, you know, last shift v. Malum, my final word Malum's a meaner movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's good. That's good. It is good. Cause I'm telling you, it, you hit me across the face, Anthony, and I I wasn't expecting that right right hook coming from Malum last night at ten thirty last night. I go to bed. I'm a gentleman, all right. I go to bed early. I wake up early. I stayed up extra late last night to watch this screener, and then you hurt my feeling. <laughs> then you had to go to bed, and then I had to go to bed and go to a job I don't understand. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we like the disorientation hopefully it that much more confusing oh good i'm glad it's meaner yeah we definitely wanted a meaner movie it's you know it should feel that way i saw it for the first time in its entirety last wednesday at our premiere yeah and i had heart palpitations coming <laughs> up oh man she's the right audience for it so yeah all right yeah. well clark you're you're a sports fan. I got yes, a sir. question for you. All right. Um, how did you? Oh, you haven't seen Last Shift. Yes, yes. I have. 
I'm no. just like, how? <laughs> you can feel everybody. You can feel I'm not convinced. <laughs> how did you feel about the basketball court in Malum? What you mean? I felt like, well, because the building has so much character in Malum. Where the first one, it kind of has, it. I know this is kind of a weird comparison, but it reminded me of Assault on Precinct 13. I also yeah. thought, yes, uh, yeah, like it felt kind of like a prison, like even though it's not really. And for a minute in the beginning of the last shift, I thought that the um, homeless gentleman that pees all over the foyer, the foyer or whatever, mm-hmm. I almost thought there was going to be a partnership. Where it's like they team up against, and we were gonna do an assault on Precinct Thirteen, yeah. mm-hmm. and something about the the inclusion of a basketball court in Malum just changed the character of the building completely for me, because it allowed like a recreational space for the police, like it almost yeah. like humanized them. Mm-hmm. So it had a big impact on the way I, I was experiencing the movie. Like, I don't know. That didn't stand out to you at all. No, I'm a, you know I'm a football guy. <laughs> he's like, he's like, they like, have a football field in the police station. Yeah, the basketball then- stuff was not in the script um, because you know we we wanted to shoot in a real police. We shot the first one in a real police station. We wanted we had to make sure we shot this one in a real police station, decommissioned police station. When we showed up there, there was a full size basketball court, and we we're like, well, I gotta put this in the movie. I can't not write this into the movie. And then it became a rather big character in the film, the basketball and the, and the court and and kind of its connections at times. Um, Because I was like, I can, I can build scares with this and and do that kind of stuff. It's all because of that location. We shot this in Kentucky. Yeah. It's like Louisville. And and the building was four stories and the architecture kind of harkened back to the 1940s, 50s. Um, it had real blood on the walls. It did. It real did. black in mold. The, in the prison. And I swear there was there were some things that were a little off on the upper floor. Um, yeah, none of the actors wanted to go down one hallway. <laughs> it had a yeah. creepy vibe. It was creepy. Yeah. We had to clean that. So part. that's why I say it was a character unto itself to the movie. And like it was just like the your location scouts did such a phenomenal job and Louisville was just perfect. My favorite part of that new location was the elevator in the main room. I I can't, dude, I don't know why that just, there's something about a room (laughs) where there's like a door that is like a portal to the other floors or, you know, whenever that door opens, you don't know what's going to be on the other side. I found it incredibly unnerving. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for this. Yeah, Terrell thought it was insane. I also thought it was in Last Shift, too. I'm like, yeah, that elevator wasn't as scary in the last oh, movie. Yeah. And he was like, dude, it's not in the other movie. <laughs> like, that's why. Yeah, the other one's just one floor of that station. <clears throat> Single floor. I mean, it is important that you carry elevator from movie to movie. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's script writing 101. Do you have it? It check off's elevator. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. have it in movie one, you have it in movie two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was- so... So the original, where was the first location? Was that also in Kentucky or was that out here? Florida. 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 Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Florida. A real, a real uh, decommissioned police station in Florida? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you can't beat those vibes right there, baby. <laughs> oh, if those walls could talk, they wouldn't. Right, they wouldn't. I know, I know. And that station was so small comparatively. Uh, you know, 
we made it look as big as we could on in the movie. And it was cool. It had a vibe, but it was tiny compared to this one. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you a cool story. You guys will love this. So in <clears throat> in that main room that Officer um, Jessica Lauren in is in, in the new one in Malum, there's a wall, you know, um, that has like all this equipment on it and stuff that you see. Oh, yeah. And um, there was a couple of shots because it was a little smaller. And, you know, for whatever reason, the the crew was like, you know what, like, you know, let's, let's just, uh, <clears throat> it was a sound issue. It was a sound issue. That's right. The sound guys were like, what is that green light? They're on like, for? what is that green light thing? on like, for? It's, it's making noise. It's making noise. Let, let's just, let's just plug, unplug this stuff. And so they unplugged it all of a sudden, like within a couple, couple minutes, couple minutes like maybe two minutes, the most, the producers like phones are going off. Right. And it's the real police station in Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. Not just the police. It was like the city hall. It was oh, like it was everybody. It was like it was the city like, establishment. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, uh, the whole system's down. You, Can, you better plug that back in real quick. <laughs> like, we like, like took out their email servers. We took out everybody. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. So you're telling me this thing had like scotch tape on it. And oh they're gosh. letting us shoot there. I'm like, how is this still your server? Like, why <laughs> is this still active? Like the place had been empty for, I don't know, three or two or three years. Oh my gosh. It was oh, like, people were pu pushing things back in so fast. It was so. But they were like, we're going to shut you down. Yeah. They, you do like something yes. like that again. That's like, <laughs> crazy. Like, you know, you should give us, put a, to put a note on it. A yeah, post just put a note. Yeah, yeah. God, that down. is. Please do not unplug because yeah. there will be no police in the city. There will be no fire department. Nothing. But Kentucky's yeah. finest, right there. <laughs> Man, Almighty! Then it'll actually look like Malum. You have Colts running around graffitiing all the buildings. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, I only say this because you mentioned that I'm a sports guy, so that yeah. is canon now in this it interview. Is. So when when you say Louisville. I, I just, I get filled with rage because I hate the University of Louisville. So the fact that their police department is completely inept on where they should house their internet capabilities, uh, I'm delighted in this fact. I'm delighted. <laughs> we had some great local PD that worked on the movie, so yes. nothing against them because yes. they trained Jess and, you know, they were helped great. to shoot guns and they, things like that. They were great. They were they had great. nothing to do with this problem. It's it's their IT department. <laughs> it's their IT department. Their IT department was yeah. dragging their feet, transferring everything to the. And all of them went to the University of Louisville. <laughs> yeah, this church is why they're idiots. I believe it's Louisville. Nope, incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is, it is Louisville. They, they get really particular about how yeah. you sit there. Yeah. And they say, Mark, you're right. I'm <laughs> It's Lou, Louisville. You gotta, Louisville. They say, you got to sound like you got to have a mouthful of whiskey when you say it. Like, yeah, it's Louisville. like marbles under here. Louisville. 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 Yeah. Louisville. That's, that's how I'm from Mississippi originally. So it's, it's, um, it's always like every small town, every little area outside of New York and LA has to have their own thing and you have to do it our way. It's it's all part of it. It's all bullshit. See, I cursed too now. <laughs> Yay! Smoking mirrors. Hundred percent. Okay. Well, while we're on uh, the geographical topic, um, where did the star of the film, the pig, come from? Is that a Kentucky pig? That's a yes, Kentucky yeah. pig. Yeah. Jackson like a prize winner. You know. Now everything made sense to me about like the transition from last shift to Malum. You had something that worked. You kind of tightened up the script. 
you change the driving factor of our protagonist. Everything's coming together. And then you fucking added in a knuckleball. That's a sports reference for Clark. Thank you so much. Uh, of a pig. Why the hell would you want to include an animal now? <laughs> yeah, well, well, where were the children and all the water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, since we didn't have any kids, and well, we got a baby. We got a baby in the movie at one point, you know, and that was a real baby. Yeah, that's true. Um, that, you know, I, I'm kind of obsessed with pigs. <laughs> And the, you know, we kind of hint at the pig stuff in the first movie. You know, it's the pig, it's the cop connection. And I was like, you know, I really just want a massive sow in this movie. I just love this image of this pig walking down a police hallway. I'm like, that's just going to be a total left field thing to bring this pig. And also tying it to the cult and to the homeless guy and like have this storyline that you know, people may not even understand at the end of the day. I don't, you know, I think maybe on a second or third viewing, they'd be like, oh, that and that and that and that. But on a first viewing, it doesn't even matter if it all comes together. It's just, there's a pig. There's a pig in the station. Just wanted a pig in the movie. He he does love pigs. And he always wanted a pig in, the mo- in a movie he does. So yeah. this is it. This is it. This is the pig. <laughs> but it made sense. You know, I think with the pig, the pig connection, the cop connection, it just felt, felt right. Um, Strangely enough, that pig, we were shooting at this farm. You know, we had already got this location. And in the meantime, we're scouting, we're looking for pigs. We're looking for this big pig. And we're driving all around. We drove down to Indiana and went to these pig farms. And we found some great pigs. But everybody tells you that they're like, well, these aren't like, they're like, I don't know what the hell this pig's going to do on a set. They're like, these aren't people pigs. You know, these are... (laughs) They're either slaughter pigs or they're, I mean, I think most of them were slaughter pigs, you know, and they're, they're, they're not, they're not, there's not a lot of interaction with the the people they feed them, but there's just not, they have that, but they're, so when we were on the farm walking around in pig shit and mud and, you know, they'd run, you know, they do not want to be around people. So I'm like, Like, you need a camera ready pig. (laughs) Yeah. I did. I need a camera ready pig. Not only I was like, this pig in the script had to lay down. There's like tons of stuff this pig's oh, got to do, do tricks. <laughs> so I was like, I wish we could just find a pet pig. He's got to do tricks. He's got to do tricks. He's got to be, he's got to also not bite anybody. And so we're at the farm and I'm like, yeah, man, we're looking for a, I, I wish we had just had a pet pig. And, and the owner's, the owner's daughter is like, I got a pet pig. I'm like, wait, you have a pig here? I mean, we already been there like twice. She's like, yeah, it's up on that hill. Like, she's like, come look at it. And that's the pig. She, it's a pet. She Yahtzee. raised it. Yahtzee the pig. She'd raised it from, it was a baby. It was like in the house all the time. Now it's way too big, but it's still a pet pig. And it, it's so. So friendly. She so was so easy sweet. to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, it just seemed like you, you upped everything. And then the inclusion of like an animal. Just yeah. seemed like a real wild card to put in there. And from everything I've learned through Disney documentary back in the day, the wildlife movies, they always had multiple casting. Or, you know, you credit three cats for one cat. A group yeah. of pigs is called a drift or a drove. A drift, a drove. that's right. A yes. drove. Because we almost, we were talking about titles of the movie. I remember looking, I'm like, well, what about drove and all this stuff? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So let's, let's, well, hold on. I got one more question and I'm sorry to get heavy here. Oh boy. But now we're looking at a last shift, which I believe was uh, 2014. Yeah. Right. And then now we're in 2023. 
one other thing I picked up on was the 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 lens at which we look at uh, the government arm of the law, the police seems yeah. to have taken a shift. Like it almost it almost went from kind of like um, pro police in last shift to like a more satirical. I mean, you literally have a pig walking through the station, and I'm yeah. like, is was there a shift in lockdown? Like something happened here? Well, you know, I think like <laughs> the, the state of affairs with police in general uh, in the nation. I think that came up, and I know we we didn't really want to hit on it too hard, um, but we had to address it of how, you know, how she would, how the lead character, it was always through the lead character's eyes, you know, and, and, and if we're going to touch on these things, especially Jesse being a black actress and, and, and how would that affect her? And, and she was again, not about that at all. She was like, well, I'm playing a cop because I want to know what happened to my father. And that was what it was about that to me, if, if we're going to touch on it was all through the character's lens. If, 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 if anything disparaging is going to be said about the cops, it's going to be to hurt her. So that's in the movie. That's really what is there and then why it exists. Cause it's a good way to manipulate the character. Um, and that's, that's kind of how we touched on it in the movie. Like her father talking to her. Yeah. That, that moment. Don't give it away. No. (laughs) Spoiler. Well, that's, that's a good example of that, you know, saying something to hurt her. You know, I, I really like that approach too, because you come with a more nuanced message and it really feels like she's kind of reclaiming the station. Yeah. Not exploring it. And, um, I don't know, man. I, I mean it. When I watched Malum, I'm like, well, I think there's an easy answer why you, you redid this. The script is just so much stronger, in cool. my opinion. So, man, uh, congratulations. And again, I opened up talking about Last Shift having an amazing poster. I can't believe you outdid that, too, because I love the Malum poster. Yeah, they're both great. Welcome, villain guys. Oh, they're they, awesome. they, they really, because they love, love that first poster. And like, well, how do we do our version of that? There's also a poster with Jesse on it that I, that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. I don't know too. if you've seen that one. I did a poll. I don't think I have. And they, yeah, it's great. She's like looking up, and it's she's like, like her face is dripping in blood. It's it's oh. more, <laughs> more of a highbrow poster. It's it's really but cool. I really oh, like Randy. <laughs> it's the Criterion cover. That's it. <laughs> Uh, uh, let, before we go, because you know, I, I, I'm going to have to say, guys, we've deep dived on this may, way more than I think I had on other interviews. You know, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's good to talk about. You, you, you're more you're more interested in the 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 story stuff, and I think that we we talked a lot about. It. So I'm going to ask you a question because no one's brought this up, and if you haven't seen the movie yet, you may want to not listen anymore. Um, I'll wait. Stop listening. <laughs> You may not want to hear this stuff. You bring up the shotgun earlier and the intent and how that kind of changed, you know, when he introduces the shotgun into the, and, and it comes back into play, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the, it's like, and did you guys, what, how did you feel about where the shotgun went and what happens with it at the end? Do you, did you pick up on the shotgun? And in the in the whole of climax of the movie, again, what, ha- what happens? <laughs> you watched end? it last night at ten. I did. What happens? What happens at the end of the movie without giving it away? You know what happens, right? 
Oh, mm-hmm. we all know what happens at the end of the movie is that Clark gets very sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so, you know, but before that, what is she doing? She's she's walking around the station with that shotgun, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, where'd she get that shotgun from? A dead man introduced her to that shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. So, did you see what happens at the end of the movie? You didn't notice it? No. I wish it was more fresh. That's why I keep looking at you, Clark. Yeah, I you're re- fucking no help right now, dude. I can tell you, okay, so I normally, I love, um, God, I'm, I got to be careful here. I don't want to make myself look too stupid. But I love, I love what a magic weapon can uh, represent in like a fantasy novel. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for Randy out there, a knife in the water is usually what I think of whenever we have, I mean, the movie is the knife in the water. Yeah. Normally, when characters are feeling insecure, they're armed. And mm-hmm. it's kind of an external defense. When she first picked up the shotgun, I thought this was like a cursed weapon. And I'm like, now you're going to become implicit in the evil in this building, even though you may have been led here by a seemingly friendly ghost. Like yeah. maybe this apparition is somebody who was wronged by the same evil. But once you grab this thing, now you are complicit in like, the the wrongdoing of the police and it felt like vengeful to me i don't remember it popping back up in the end though well she's got that shotgun through the very end of the film you know she uses it yeah all the way to the end of the movie yeah yeah but then okay so is was that it i thought there was something beyond that because beyond that there is something beyond. i don't know if i want to totally say it no don't because you know what? I'd like to revisit it. Wait, was it a 12 gauge and not a 20 gauge? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, you know, in last shift, I felt like the ending, um, you knew where we were going. And you know, once there's some real human interaction, she'll be changed and it won't come out the way that she wanted. So in this one, I, you, you know, you're kind of waiting for it. And the fact that, um, you know, a spirit guided her to ultimately this, like, uh, cursed weapon, Mm -hmm. it felt very, like, I don't know, um, circular. Like, you know, like, the the trauma has come full circle now. And her discovering her past instead of conquering it, now she's become victim to it. I'm, dude, I'm dying. I wish this movie was more fresh with me. I'm like begging yeah. Clark, like, come on, give yeah. me. Go back and watch the ending, right? Watch the last like 10 minutes. And then you'll know what I'm talking about. Cause, cause my, and I posed this question and, and I, I, I don't know how many people even pick up on it in the movie, but if a, if a dead man introduces you to something in a police station, does it exist at all? You know, does it exist at all? Oh, well, <laughs> again. You know, speaking from my own personal experience, growing up in a haunted house my entire life, I mean, do I exist? I don't even know. <laughs> That's the question. That's you know? Did you tell them about where you grew up? No. Okay. No. They did, but they know I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They know something happened. Yeah. He's yeah, got a halo on the side of his head. I've seen it through the whole video. It's That's like, right. It's like oh blurry, kind of like monster face. <laughs> He's got, he's got his friend with him. Well, yeah, you go and, back, watch the ending, and then hit me up. And, 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 th- and then you'll know what I'm talking about. We'll do it. Well, here's the thing. Now, I felt bad, and I did. I always planned on saying this. But um, thank you all for coming on here. And I'm sorry that normally we like to talk to our guests about who they are and 
you know, their relationship with horror and why, why wade out into these murky waters. But we had such an interesting thing here with Last Shift and Malum. I knew we were going to be here for a while and potentially the whole interview. So when you guys eventually make your found footage horror, I, uh, you need to come back. We'll come because back. we'll definitely show it at the Unnamed Footage Festival. And again, that opening sequence was fantastic. I just, I don't know if you're going to get enough praise there, so I really want to pepper it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean, legitimately, I, I do think in the ultimate battle, Malum is the superior film, although I love them both. And I was still bummed when we shifted out of the footage. I'm like, no, dude, yeah. the aesthetic, you nailed this kind of like, the vibe of the era. And when you're yeah. really doing the cult thing, you kind of captured that like Manson hippie vibe. Like I'm so glad that you refocused this movie on the cult because it really strengthened everything. And yeah. I loved it. Good. Okay. Well, you'll That's see cool. more. If we do a sequel, we'll see more of the cult for sure. More of that footage too. <laughs> well, Natalie and Anthony, again, thank you so much for hanging in there during our uh, weird technical yeah. uh, difficulties here. Um, you know, we appreciate it. And uh, man, this was so much fun. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you. Thank guys. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.